Welcome to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. Welcome back after a weirdly long hiatus to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. I am Megan. And I am Lauren. And we're back, baby, for spooky season. We couldn't leave you guys hanging. We had to come back. We we definitely are back. And if this goes out on time as scheduled, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I hope you guys are doing everything pumpkin-scented and cozy and are just having the best fall ever. But yeah, we, we've been gone a minute, you guys, and we are a little shocked and shook it that we're still getting so many downloads. So thank you. Yes. If you are, if you're new here, hi, welcome. We historically have been a very enthusiastic, but if we're being honest, poorly prepared podcast. <laughs> so that might be why people like us. I don't know. It's charming. It's and maybe it's charming, or maybe you just like our content enough that you put up with our bullshit. We appreciate that. We've been a little bit all over the place, so I guess perhaps Lauren, do you want to want to start us off with some life updates? What have you been doing? Yes, over the past several months. You know, you guys, a lot has changed. <laughs> um, so much. Has so changed. much has changed. So basically, after. I had Benny and very honestly, I got to a point where I was super burnt out and I needed to do something different. So I was in a corporate setting for a while and it was an audio-based mental health app. And I really got to, one, be part of a mental health startup, which was cool. And then two, I got the chance to really focus and refine my skills with audio editing. And so that was like a really cool privilege, too, because before, if you guys remember us talking about it, I mean, we at times were doing like multiple jobs and then this on the side and there just wasn't time to kind of learn and fine tune things. But your girl does not operate well in corporate settings, I'll have you know. (laughs) So I did not stay there for very long. But what I did end up doing is opening up my own audio business so it's called dark wave audio and design lab and i edit produce podcasts i have a couple people that i'm helping them with their current seasons editing their podcasts they're really really amazing podcasts so definitely if you want to follow on instagram or whatever we post about the people that we work with all the time. One of the podcasts is Scope Creep. Definitely check them out. Shout out to Scope Creep. They're amazing. But yeah, so I do a lot of that now, a lot of audio editing. So you'll definitely notice a drastic difference (laughs) in this editing and what it sounds like compared to our old recordings, especially our very old recordings. And, you know, just to kind of piggyback off that, we hear you guys that The audio was not great, and we apologize profusely. But we also want to use this as an opportunity where if you have a favorite episode that you would like me to re-edit with much better software, please write in and let us know. And I am more than happy to do that. I think it would be very time-consuming to do all of them, but I'm more than happy to do a few. Maybe we can take a vote on it. I don't know. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. How about you, Megan? Yeah. So most notably, I had a very small human uh, back in April. His name is Eddie. 
And yeah, I think we we had talked a little bit about my pregnancy. We were we were we had slowed down on the podcast during my pregnancy and also because like Lauren's job and everything, it was very chaotic. But I did have him back in April. So he is six months old now. He is thriving. But I will say just, you know, maternal mental health. Man, we do not support moms in America whatsoever. We don't really do anything helpful. And I was very fortunate that I was able to take four months off with him unpaid just in case you're from another country just to clarify like four months off unpaid is amazing in the united states our standards are that low it's horrifying but it really really kicked my ass in a way that i wasn't anticipating like i knew it was gonna be hard but we'll talk about it a bit with with sleep deprivation because everybody told me that like babies they, they wake you up every two to three hours and they're like it's so hard those two to three hours I didn't sleep more than 40 minutes until my son was six or seven weeks old at any point in time because he just woke up so much. There was some medical stuff going on. We solved it. He's doing much better now. But it definitely took a long time before I had just the mental capacity to be able to do the podcast again, because when you're so tired that like you can't think straight, podcasting is not going to go so well. I think you should all be happy you skipped over that phase. But I'm doing better now. He's doing great. Back to work, back at it, doing things, and uh, just glad to be here. Well, I think that's commendable in the sense of being, you know, kind of role modeling for people, too, that you really shouldn't push yourself during those periods of time, you know, as much as, like, you enjoy something and it's, it's a hobby or it's just something that you get a lot out of. Sometimes you just don't have the mental capacity for it. And I think it it matters that you listen to yourself and your body and you waited until you were ready. And now we can kind of come at it from a different angle. And, you know, I think this time around we can give you some better quality stuff. We're really trying to pivot into being like an actual legit podcast. Like kind of profesh. Kind of profesh. We're, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully you guys like that. Also just make a note. If you're one of our patrons, thank you. If you'd like a refund, please let us know because we absolutely we will gladly refund any money our patrons have put forth that you haven't gotten the perks for that we haven't been releasing content. We get it. We probably should have just shut it down at a certain point, but I, I think, think it's slipped both of our minds. Like, we forgot to shut it down. So please let us know if you want your money back. It's fine. Let us know. Yeah, just send um, us a message, email, whatever. Oh, and speaking of emails and whatever, in the show notes, by the time this is released, we will have an Instagram, we will have a website, and we will have an email address just for Spooky Psychology. If you want to write in and ask questions, make suggestions, or ask for a refund <laughs> for not giving you anything for being a patron, yeah, that's where you can contact us for sure. But yeah, so we're really excited to release that. All the information will be in the show notes. And yeah, we're just hoping that you know we can connect with you guys a little bit more because every once in a while we do get messages on our Facebook that we never go on. <laughs> From people, you know, just chatting with us, letting us know what they like and how the podcast has impacted them. And we're so grateful that you guys continue to do that, even though we've kind of ghosted everybody. So thank you. And we really do love hearing from you guys. We think you're all so fun. We're like huge fans. So 
just, you know, feel free to reach out. And also, you know, if if there's something that Patreon wise, like if there is a perk that you would like, just let us know. We can't guarantee we'll do it, but like we'll consider it. And I think we should also let you know, I think Lauren is as a new perk. We're also for our patrons. We're video recording this. So yes. if you are a patron watching this video, I'm just going to apologize for the state of the room that I'm in in my general appearance right now. But we're, we're going to be OK. I just want to reassure everyone I'm not in a hostage situation. <laughs> I've made a makeshift podcast studio in my basement. So it looks a little frightening, but I swear I am safe and I am consenting to this recording. But yeah, so we're actually going to get into a topic that was highly requested a long time ago, and we're finally going to cover it today, and that is sleep disorders. Sleep disorders and sleep deprivation, which I now have so much more experience with than I ever did. Um, Yeah, that's why we took the break, so we could get data. That's what it was. So we're, I was just so dedicated towards collecting data for this episode. I'm sure, Lauren, you also have some personal experience. We all have some personal experience here that I'm sure we'll, we'll sprinkle. We'll sprinkle in things. I'm just going to ask you this right off the bat. After you had Benny. Yes. Did you get so tired that you started hallucinating? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I did too. Mine were always auditory. Uh-huh. Like I would think I was hearing him crying and he would be not awake at all. Yes, absolutely. The phantom cries, which I love that people call them phantom cries on the Internet. And I'm like, you are straight hallucinating, my friends. Like, this is what's happening. It's OK. It's, it's, it's OK. Like we all were. Mine were a mix of like hearing him cry or I'd have like tactile hallucinations. That was oh. the weirdest one for me. And so I would like wake up and think I was holding him. Oh my gosh. I've heard of that. And, like, yeah. That I was that I had fallen asleep with him. I'm a big safe sleep advocate. I understand that some people are capable of safely bed sharing. We're not going to get into that. I am not capable of safely bed sharing. So it was very frightening for me to think that I had fallen asleep holding on to my sons. I'd like wake up convinced I was holding him. And he was safely in his bassinet, like a hundred percent of the time. But I'd feel him, I'd hear him, and it's so. It gets to a point where it's so weird trying to figure out like where the line is from sleep deprivation hallucinations into postpartum psychosis. And I genuinely don't know where that line is. <laughs> like, like I, I genuinely don't know. Um, yeah. But it, it's so interesting. So, like, we're gonna go into. You know, sleep deprivation, different sleep disorders. I'm going to start off with just like some general sleep information because we all know we're supposed to sleep, right? Like, we've we're heard all acutely this. aware. We've all heard this. We've all heard, you know, the horrifying don't read postpartum. Absolutely do not read any of this if you've just had a baby. But like, we've all read the articles of everything that's going to go wrong in your life if you're not sleeping well. Like, we know it's important, but a lot of people don't know how much sleep you actually are supposed to be getting now of course there's variation in this for different people so like starting off with our lovely potato newborns the zero to three months they're supposed to sleep 14 to 17 hours a day that is total i would like to clarify sometimes your tiny potato newborn will do that in 40 minute increments because they are eating nonstop. so like yeah. they're getting the total amount that does not mean you're going to get to sleep but they will sleep 14 to 17 hours a day Moving out a little bit older, the four to 12 months range, 
there are 12 to 16 hours, including nap. So it kind of like, as you get older, it inches back a little bit. Your toddlers, the one to two, they're 11 to 14 hours. Preschool, which is uh, the three to five, they're like 10 to 13 hours a day. Now, this is all including naps from the younger ones because yeah. they don't, they nap. Hopefully, I've heard some of them don't, but yeah, which presumably they nap. You know, thinking of you, sending you well wishes and blessings if your child is not napping. Your child has recently dropped a nap. We're very sorry, and we hope you're okay. Moving to school age, these are where all the arguments come into, right? This is, I, I spend so much time arguing about how they sleep. So the school age kids, 6 to 12 years, they're like 9 to 12 hours. They don't want to sleep that much, but they need to sleep that much. Teens, you're 13 to 18. They're 8 to 10 hours. Some of them really trend more 11, though. Again, there's variation. People have different needs for sleep. Then when you're an adult, it's really seven or more, just kind of depending on you. And then as you get older, it tends to decrease to like the seven to nine, seven to eight. They say 65 and older. They're like really seven to eight hours. They typically don't necessarily sleep that much more. I personally am like a like an eight and a half. I really need right about eight and a half to nine hours to sleep more than nine hours. I get way more tired. Isn't that weird? Oh, yeah. That was a problem the first time my son slept like a really long stretch. And then I felt so, you feel so much worse. Like you you wake up feeling so well rested and then you're a zombie the rest of the day. Because it almost just like rubs it in how little sleep you're getting. And you're like, great, now I'm less functional. Yeah. So now just some some fun facts. So between 10 and 30% of adults struggle with insomnia. So insomnia can either be difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep there's different types just kind of depends but it's pretty common two to nine percent of adults are affected by obstructive sleep apnea if you're repeatedly told that you snore and it sounds like you're dying in the middle of the night please get a sleep study done if you're able to because obstructive sleep apnea it affects a lot of people it really really tanks your sleep quality and a CPAP goes a long way to help from everyone I know who's ever gotten one they're like night and day you feel amazing yep women typically report poorer quality and more disrupted sleep across various life stages than men. So we don't sleep as well. 89% of adults and 75% of children have at least one electronic device in their bedrooms. We'll just say that you're not supposed to. We all do. So we're just, we're, we're not, we're not going to argue on that yeah. point again. It's not possible. And from like a trauma lens, I, I remember reading a piece of research and I'll try to cite it later if I can. And if I remember but I think for a lot of people who are either survivors of some sort of trauma or just neurodivergent folks, having something on in the background is actually more soothing and comfortable than complete silence that can mm-hmm. actually be more frightening and scary. So it might be like a sensory seeping thing. So just something to consider. You know, they're definitely considering very neurotypical people in this type of statistic. Absolutely. And I will fully say I slept with a TV on from the time I was a small child up until I had my son, Eddie, still in our room and I did not want to get him started on sleeping with the TV on. So now I sleep with a noise machine instead of that. So I, I, I pivoted. It was a very hard adjustment, but I did pivot pretty hard. And I am honestly confident that when he's out of our room, I'm probably going to sleep with the TV on again. Because I, I like it. I don't know. It's yeah. just lots of people do. And that's okay. As long I think as long as you're feeling well rested, 
and you're getting enough sleep, you have to do an individual approach. And if you do have a neurodiversity in any way, you're going to sleep better differently than a lot of people. And there's no shame in what you need to do to like get that quality sleep. If that's my husband, like really loves to fall asleep to military documentaries. I don't know how he does it, but it works for his brain, and he sleeps great with gunfire and like tanks in the background. Like yeah, various I can't tank do that. And- but we do listen to documentaries just because the sound of the narrator is like very soothing. Like a Neil deGrasse Tyson, like that. Ugh. Heaven. My favorite has always been like a nature documentary, like a David Edinburgh nature. Oh, David Edinburgh. Peak sleep. Or, of course, Unsolved Mysteries, Robert Stack. Stack Attack. He is the best. He is the best. That is some good good sleep there. So clearly we're not judging you if you have an electronic device in your bedroom. So be it. We're not. We I think we're past this. Like, the human race no longer sleeps without electronics. I think we've just, we've moved past it. Just pick yeah. your poison wisely. You know, don't do anything that's going to mess sleep up. Do something that's soothing to you. Oh, yeah. just really quick. Thing I just want to insert before I forget. We both watched the, what's his name, McManny Man. Yes. We both watched that movie. So, yeah. potentially, Patreon perk, would you like us to talk about that movie and do a debrief? Or maybe we turn it into an episode. Let us know. Yes. Yes. So, to clarify, there was the Hulu documentary on the extreme haunted house to McManny Manor. Mm-hmm. I think is what it is, which I believe we briefly touched on in our Halloween episode, which Lauren and I, as therapists and humans, both come out strongly, I think, against that extreme of a haunt experience. Yeah. Just there's some red flags and we watched that documentary and there are more red flags. Right. I I would agree, like everywhere. I'm like, uh uh-huh. That's that's around what I expect. Yeah. And it's it's so funny because I know that we were on a show think this was a few years ago at this point where it was like science behind the scare and it was a haunt owner and he yeah you know worked with people in that industry we also had during our podcast release event we had somebody who owned and worked at a haunted house come in and we interviewed him and asked him questions and stuff like that so we always can revisit that if you guys want us to but it is extremely interesting Mm-hmm. yes yes it's very interesting i love it thank you for remembering. i know i watched that and i texted you immediately i was deep in a contact now at that point in time and he was sleeping on me and i'm like don't wake up because i don't know what you're hearing all of this i know i had to um, wait until benny was like fast asleep and i broke it up into like segments because now mm-hmm. things like freak him out you know like if he isn't sure what it is so i'm like yes. oh man i can't watch this in front of you sorry All right. So in this next part, I just wanted to talk to you guys about sleep disorders. So what is categorized as a disorder according to the DSM in current time? So a sleep disorder is a medical condition that disrupts a person's normal sleep patterns. These disruptions can occur in various ways, including difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, waking up too early, or experiencing abnormal behaviors or sensations during sleep. This can lead to poor sleep quality, which in turn can have a significant impact on an individual's overall health and daily functioning, as Megan had mentioned. So some of the symptoms that 
some people might bring to their doctor if they're starting to notice that they are having difficulties with any of these things are difficulty initiating or maintaining sleep, excessive daytime sleepiness or fatigue, irregular sleep-wake patterns, unusual or disruptive behaviors during sleep, we're going to get into those, restless sensations in the legs or other parts of the body, frequent awakenings during the night, and then snoring or choking, gasping during sleep. This is most likely related to sleep apnea, which Megan had mentioned. It's going to sound a little scary. Please talk to your doctor if that's happening. Pop in and, and definitely advise that. And also, I guess I just want to give the caveat because I end up seeing this all the time in my practice. Um, if you have ADHD and you have a weird sleep-wake pattern, that is to be expected and is probably both ADHD and normal and also a sleep disorder. I think every person with ADHD I've ever met probably meets the criteria of it. Um, y'all just sleep differently and there's, you can medicate, there's options you can do, but I think, you know, either deal with it but it seems like a lot of a lot of people do just choose to like lean in and just if you're fortunate enough to build your life around your weird sleep habit that that will also work but that's kind of part of the neurodiversity of ADHD very much so yeah and and that's why kind of in the um definition it said I can't remember what exactly it said but it was basically saying what is normal to you so right we're considering you know as you know someone who's neurodiverse like what is your normal sleep wake cycle and hopefully Mm -hmm. you have some awareness of when it's completely different than what it what it normally is so your normal may be completely different from my normal you know so it's just very individualized when it comes to sleep so for those of you who are curious about different types of sleep disorders there's a few so i'm going to be referencing the dsm-5 for this so the first one is insomnia disorder and i think a lot of us have heard of insomnia yeah but this involves persistent difficulty falling asleep staying asleep or experiencing non-restorative sleep And this leads to significant distress or impairment in daytime functioning. The next one is hypersomnolence disorder. Hopefully I said that right. This is characterized by excessive daytime sleepiness despite adequate nighttime sleep resulting in difficulty staying awake and alert during the day. Then there's narcolepsy. And I feel like this one has been shown in the media sometimes pretty inaccurately, but It is a neurological disorder that involves recurrent episodes of sudden, uncontrollable sleep attacks, along with features such as cataplexy or sudden loss of muscle tone, sleep paralysis, and hypnogic hallucinations. So these are just brief hallucinations as you are falling asleep. I think you can also get sleep paralysis and the hypnagogic hallucinations without having narcolepsy. Definitely. As yes. well, those are, and I'll talk. I'll talk a bit more about sleep paralysis for sure. But that's an interesting one. Absolutely, Can be, not always narcolepsy. The next one is breathing-related sleep disorders. So we kind of touched on this. It includes conditions such as obstructive sleep apnea and central sleep apnea, which involves interruptions in breathing during sleep, leading to disrupted sleep patterns and daytime fatigue. 
There are circadian rhythm sleep-wake disorders. These disorders involve disruptions in the body's natural circadian rhythms, leading to problems with sleep timing and sleep-wake cycle. So some examples include shift work sleep disorder and jet lag disorder. Then we get into some interesting ones here. Parasomnias. So this category, <laughs> this category includes sleep disorders like sleepwalking, night terrors, and REM sleep. <laughs> I really love your dedication to the spooky voice there. That was very fun. I had to. An REM sleep behavior disorder where individuals experience abnormal behaviors or events during sleep. Another really common one, I've, I've worked with a lot of people that struggle with this one, is restless leg syndrome. So this one's categorized by an irresistible urge to move the legs, often accompanied by uncomfortable sensations, which typically worsen at night and can interfere with sleep. The next one is substance slash medication-induced sleep disorder. So sleep problems that occur as a result of substance abuse, withdrawal, or medication use. Obviously, that is very dependent on what it is that you're taking or not taking. And then lastly is the other specified and unspecified sleep-wake disorders. So not sure how to categorize this, so we always say it's either specified or unspecified. <laughs> also, just for your knowledge, there is for every single variety of disorder you can have in the DSM, you can have the other specified and unspecified version of this. Which basically means there's definitely something here, but we haven't taken the effort to actually define what it is yet. So there it is. All right. So these categories encompass sleep-related issues that do not fit criteria for specific disorders, but still cause distress or impairment. Yeah. So too long didn't read. We don't know how to categorize it, but something's wrong with your sleep. Yep. All right. So this next section, I'm going to be telling you a tale of exploding head syndrome. For those of you who aren't watching the video, I just feel like it's important to note that Lauren just got what appears to be a very fuzzy Halloween-type blanket and adjusted it. Oh, it's got jack-o'-lanterns, which I felt like really added something to like that. I'm going to tell you a tale, and she's like getting cozy with the blanket while she does it. It's like, <laughs> Lauren is so prepared right now, guys. Let's curl up, folks, and listen to a tale. And this is a weird way to say it, but it's probably my favorite parasomnia because it's so interesting there's something so interesting to me about it um agreed yeah but we're gonna get into it. i'm gonna tell you guys what it is all right so this apparently affects about 10 percent of the population according to the mayo clinic now the thing i'll say about that and we're gonna get into some testimonial from somebody that i actually know but a lot of people who do experience this have a very hard time talking to anybody else about it because it feels a little spooky. And I think a lot of people are afraid that if they're honest about it, that people are going to think, you know, they need to be heavily medicated or something. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of stigma related to it. So this percentile could be more for all we know. Well, I think there's also for so many people they might not actually know how weird these things are. Like, if it's True. something that's happened to you somewhat regularly, like, your entire life, like, you just may assume that this happens to everyone or you just might, it just might never come up. So I think, like, 
people don't know how to define it. So it's very hard to tell how many people could actually have this happening to them. Totally. And I think it's definitely possible to, like with this disorder, over-rationalize things where it's just like, oh, I was just dreaming or, you know what I mean? Just because it's scary. But okay, so this is what it is. So it's a relatively rare sleep disorder that is categorized by the perception of loud, startling, auditory hallucination or sensation, such as explosive noises, crashes, or even the sensation of a loud bang, typically occurring when the person is falling asleep or waking up. Despite its dramatic name, EHS does not involve any actual physical harm to the person. So no one's heads are actually exploding. No. Good news. The best news of the day. Your head will not actually literally explode. You'll just feel like it's exploding. So, uh, you know, But you're fine. Uh, no, you're totally fine. fine. So some key features that are related to this are, you know, sudden sensations. So they will experience abrupt and vivid auditory hallucinations that are often described as being exceptionally loud and intense. For the timing, these sensations typically occur during the transition between wakefulness and sleep, either as someone is drifting off to sleep or waking up. There is a lack of pain, as we mentioned before. There is a brief duration. So these episodes are usually very brief, lasting only a few seconds, although they can be quite distressing because, like we mentioned, you know, it's loud. It kind of feels like it's coming out of nowhere, but it's brief. And then the last part is the wakefulness piece of it. So the episodes often lead to a sudden awakening or heightened alertness, causing distress and confusion. So you know, if it is a loud bang, naturally you're going to wake up and be like, what was that? Is someone breaking into my house? You know, what, mm-hmm. you know, fill in whatever theory you have at the time. So it's important to note that this is generally considered a benign sleep disorder, meaning is not associated with any serious medical or psychological consequences. While the exact cause of EHS is not fully understood, it is believed to involve disruptions in the brain's processing of sensory information during the sleep-wake transition. So now I found a really cool article called I Have Exploding Head Syndrome by Helen Thompson. And I wanted to read some pieces from it because I think just based on the little research we have, I think these pieces of research actually make sense and I could understand how it can create you know, just kind of like that auditory experience. So there's a physician named Silas Weir Mitchell. So he was the one who first discovered it. It was 1876. And he had first described the disorder. So when he had first described it and worked with two men who actually experienced it, he would call it sensory discharges. The men themselves described it as hearing loud bells or a gunshot that would wake them up from sleep. There's a theory, however, that the condition and related sleep disturbances may help explain apparently unrelated cultural phenomena, specifically the origins of alien abductions, government conspiracy theories, and supernatural demons. Makes you think. Now... Theories about the cause of exploding head syndrome are speculative. 
So some ideas have been proposed, including ear disorders and partial epileptic seizures. But the most compelling theory comes from a handful of studies in which people with the condition have had their brain activity monitored, which is so cool. These small studies suggest that there may be a burst of neural activity in the brain that coincides with the reported explosion. Normally, when we go to sleep, our body shuts down and becomes paralyzed so that we don't act out our dreams and hurt ourselves. But during this transition from wake to sleep, the brain usually turns off bit by bit. However, the theory is that in exploding head syndrome, there is a hiccup of sorts in the reticular formation. So this is the part of the brain that's responsible for overseeing the general shutdown, which results in a delay in switching off some areas. This delay is associated with the suppression of alpha brain waves that are normally responsible for drowsiness. And a sudden burst of neural activity in the areas of the brain responsible for processing sound. So we think the neurons are all firing at once, which results in the sensation of an exploding sound in your head. See, and I think that's so interesting because that's generally like also what they think is behind sleep paralysis and a bunch of other stuff is just it's an error in how your brain is shutting down or booting back up yeah in that transition period and so that makes i'm i'm so curious i want more research on this and more brainwave scans to see like what the differing brain patterns are in like each different issue in this process like sleep paralysis versus exploding head versus like some of the other parasomnias absolutely and that's the thing is like i know for people who experience it it can be scary you could feel like oh my gosh like you know i'm going insane like i don't want to tell anybody about this but by going and talking to a doctor and participating in some of like this research it really helps us figure out what's going on to make sure that, you know, like no actual damage is happening or what exactly is going on in the brain structure that causes, you know, what you're perceiving. It's all extremely cool and interesting. But I think it makes a lot of sense that kind of burst of like neural activity, like it has to sound like something or must mm-hmm. hit something where you perceive a certain sound anyway. But because this is rare, I personally i don't know about you megan i've never worked with anybody who struggled with this you know the interesting thing is like now that you're like laying it out there it's kind of like maybe it's like maybe like now that it's like hearing it laid out because i definitely know i have to ask my husband if he has this this is what i'm actually thinking because there have definitely been times where like He's startled awake and like is asking me like, what was that noise? Like there was a loud noise. What was the noise? And so I'm like, exploding head syndrome. I'm gonna ask him. Ask some more questions. I'm gonna do some digging to see because I also think too, if it's like right when you're falling asleep, if you genuinely think it's a regular noise, like you may not know that this is happening to you. Right. You might think, oh wow, like something fell somewhere in my apartment building or something. You know. Well, and especially when you live in an apartment like we do, it's not that weird for like, oh, your neighbor drops something or like something happens outside. Or if you have pets, you're like, oh, like my dog or for me, my pig, like they must have jumped down off the couch. You know what I mean? The pigs are up to something in the living room. It's fine. Back to bed I go, right? Like I think it's so you could excuse it. So now I'm curious. I know. it, It really makes you think about that 10%, but I'm going to share 
a real life experience of someone that my husband and I know. This is a close friend of my husband. I don't know if he actually gave me permission to share his name, so I'm just not going to. But I am going to read what his experience was. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. He goes, my first experience. So he's saying this has happened more than once. My first experience with EHS occurred during my junior year in college when I was 19 or 20 years old. I remember this happening around a time period where I had been up late many nights in a row studying for finals and was wrapping up projects that were due at the end of the semester. So my sleep quality wasn't the best around the time frame and my overall stress levels were definitely higher than normal due to upcoming exams and project deadlines, which we know there's a big relation with the stress factor and EHS. We have stress and sleep deprivation. So great. Not a good combo. So then he says, there was one night during that stretch of time where I was feeling particularly exhausted after getting home late from the library and decided to head to bed. After lying down, I could almost immediately feel myself drifting towards sleep. I remember reaching the point where I was about to slide into a deep sleep, but I was in that strange in-between state where you're not really awake, but you're not quite officially falling asleep yet either. It was during that moment when out of nowhere I heard the loudest noise I've ever heard. It lasted only a second or two, but it jolted me awake and put me into an extremely disoriented panic state as I immediately thought there must have been an explosion outside. It wasn't until after two or three minutes of calming myself down and also checking outside to see that everything was fine for me to realize that what I had heard was actually in my head. The best way I can describe the noise that I heard would be to imagine TV static noise. Okay. And if you're Gen Z, you may have never heard this sound before. But find a YouTube video that's just TV static so you can get up to speed here. Yes. But it's kind of like an annoying buzzy sound, basically. Mm -hmm. So he said, the best way I can describe it was the TV static noise, but dialed up to the loudest volume you can imagine for one to two seconds. Basically, this times 100. And he linked a YouTube video. (laughs) Oh, okay. Maybe we should put maybe we should put that YouTube video, the static, in the in the episode notes or something. Yeah, just in case you don't know. Yeah, no shame. You were just born a different generation. I totally get it. There was no buildup of the volume noise leading into it, or any ramp down afterward that went from silence to explosion level noise to complete silence in an instant. I would say I have experienced EHS a total of five to six times over the past fifteen years. Almost all of them have occurred during that in-between state of being awake and asleep that I described. The first time was by far the most frightening, as I had no knowledge of EHS prior to that. I can't say for certain, as the occurrences have been split across such long periods of time, but I'd be willing to guess that many, if not all of the times that I've experienced it could probably be tied to time periods where my stress levels may have been higher than normal. Very interesting. And then I ended up asking him a follow-up question because I was curious. So I asked, can I ask, after it happened the second time, did you decide to talk to a doctor or anyone about it? Or was it something you researched and the way people described it resonated with you and you were able to process through it that way? And he said, I never ended up talking with a doctor about it. The next day I did a search on what I had experienced and I was so relieved to see that not only had many people experienced what I had, but there was even a name for it, which blew my mind. Ha ha, EHS joke. <laughs> so, <laughs> love it, love it, love it. 
So my overall concern definitely lowered once I had a chance to read on it more. Had I not found anything, I think most definitely I would have reached out to my doctor. So very interesting. Yeah, it just it really made me think like, you know, if I experienced that, would I research and be okay with that answer? Or would I go to a doctor? I really don't know. I think it depends how much it scares you. I think so. But I also think like, it's so easy to excuse as something. Oh, yeah. Of like, that was weird, right? But if it doesn't happen that often, I think a lot of people probably have this happening and just aren't aware of it. Totally. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, people who are listening, if you do have a story about this that you want to share with us, let us know. Definitely. We'll just start our informal research, the spooky psych research team of like, does this happen to you? Let's get How freaking cool our... would that be if we just like had all of our listeners participate in like studies like every once in a while? We're just low key going to start our own research branch. That's just like there, there is no IAB. We're just sending you guys surveys now. Please participate. We're just nosy and curious. we're just really like, nosy. We're not going to publish this. We just really want to know. That's so interesting. Now I'm like going through and I'm like, I think I'm I think I've had this happen before and just didn't realize it because like I know I've like definitely woken up to super loud noises that were scary. But then like there was nothing wrong. Like you just check the apartment. Everything's fine. And you're like, oh, I was weird. OK, and go back to bed. So I'm like, shit, do I have exploding heads? Well, especially with like sleeping with the TV on with me. I'm like, oh, maybe a loud, <laughs> a loud episode of Unsolved Mysteries was on and then it woke me up. You know, you never know. Listen, because Unsolved Mysteries also has random explosions. So true. It's iffy. Robert Stack just fucking shit up in the middle of the night. You're like, all right. And it was just that was just Unsolved Mysteries. I was trying to sleep, Robert. But then. But see, but in this case exploding head syndrome might actually be the solved mystery so there we go there you go we solved it you're welcome everybody russian it robert stack's ghost will be very pleased with us also i just want to point out this is not at all important but i really love unsolved mysteries i did not watch it when i was younger this is a recent obsession but did you know that the television show Unsolved Mysteries. So we're talking the OG with Robert Stack, not the Netflix one. Although the Netflix it's one is good. fun. It's just very, it's just different. It's very different. But there's actually a 50% solve rate of the mysteries on Unsolved Mysteries. Which, I mean, given that they also have some episodes on like alien abductions and like weather phenomena and like things that you can't actually solve. Right. Is impressive and does mean with the frequency of murders that, like, technically speaking, Unsolved Mysteries has a higher success rate of solving crime than most police departments do, which I just find very interesting. Not that they single-handedly solved all of those crimes. Like, absolutely not. But it's like they're crowdsourcing. Like, they're able to use the public and be like, hey, did you see this weird shit? And people are able to call in and be like, yeah, actually. And it feels more comfortable than reaching out probably to, like, a police station. Exactly. Just being like, yeah, I did see something. I did hear something. So, you know, it's, they have a great solve rate. Um, Not so, all uh, heroes wear capes. Robert's dad. Robert's dad. Some wear a trench coat. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to talk about like a few different things today. I think I would also just like everybody to note, so you really get where I'm coming from on this research. Almost all of the research I did for this episode was done in the middle of the night while Amazing. nursing my son. So. Really, I thought I was like, I'm already sleep deprived. It's three in the morning. I'm feeding a baby. Let's just do research. Um, 
messed up sleep, which also is a fun way to just ramp up your anxiety about the implications <laughs> of how little you're sleeping on your health long term. So you now know. try to fall back it's, it's asleep. Great. Let's see. You know, it's great. So for most people, pretty much everyone's going to go through sleep deprivation at some point in time. For the most part, short bout of sleep deprivation, you're fine. If it's like random little ones, like you will be totally okay. Things happen. If it's like finals week and you have a rough couple of weeks, okay. But frequent or prolonged sleep deprivation can cause serious health issues. So, you know, bummer for parents everywhere. Lack of sleep can lead to poor cognitive function increased inflammation, and reduced immune function. If it continues, you're going to increase your risk for chronic disease. So we're looking at poor cognitive function, increased inflammation, and reduced immune function, which when you're already chronically ill and already struggle with that, it's just a real fun mix into (laughs) your life. 10 out of 10, highly recommend here. Oh, just going through all of these things, because there's different stages of sleep deprivation. So they typically say, Each stage is like if you've been straight awake for this amount of time, but these stages can also happen even if you are sleeping, if you're just not sleeping enough, but the timelines might look a little bit differently. So like if you stay awake for 24 hours straight, stage one sleep deprivation, which I think everybody has done this before, like 100%. It's not going to cause health problems, but you kind of feel tired and off if you're awake for 24 hours straight. So you might feel like drowsy, irritable, angry probably stressed out you're less alert can't concentrate brain fog fatigue you might have some tremors like you might shake a little bit that's pretty normal not as coordinated you might have more mistakes food cravings you tend to get like really hungry and like you get snacky right like you really want like typically i think people gravitate towards like the quick energy food you want carbs you want sugar yeah because you're just so tired that it's like either go to sleep or just give me sugar one of the two it's like please give me some dopamine (laughs) Please, I need quick energy to function. Puffy eyes and dark under eye circles. So I know for me, I don't know if this is related to puffy eyes, but I'll get eye twitches. Maybe that's tremors. That could be tremors. I think, yeah, like the twitchy eyes is also pretty common. So now if you stay awake for 36 hours, we're moving into stage two of sleep deprivation. So this is where micro sleeps begin. It's when you just briefly start uncontrollably falling asleep, but like only for a couple seconds at a time. So it's pretty quick. You may not even notice it's happening. Other people might. So now your memory is getting more impaired. You're going to have trouble starting to learn new information. Your decision making's changing. Difficulty processing social cues. Like I've noticed this a lot when people aren't sleeping. Like you just start thinking that you're being really, really weird or that other people are being weird. Or like mean to you, like for no reason. And Right. Like it starts to get a little bit different. Slow reaction time, increased errors in things. You're also more likely to have physical effects like increased appetite, increased inflammation. So you're probably getting like sore, like your back might hurt, your knees might hurt, things like that. Right. Extreme fatigue and impaired immune function. So now we get into the real, real fun. Stage three, which is 48 hours awake. You might begin to hallucinate. Hey, this occurs when you see, hear, or feel things that aren't actually theirs. You know, it really... Stage three is really where things start to go downhill pretty rapidly. And I think 
again like and maybe we should do we should consider do you guys want a full episode on like postpartum and maternal mental health and weird stuff that happens when you have a baby because i've becoming very passionate about educating because like there's so much people don't tell you i honestly think though that stage three i was probably at stage three for a shockingly long like weeks at a time and i think a lot of people are and dads too right when you have a baby even if you didn't physically have the baby which is kind of scary because like during those periods of time at least like for me you're having to still go to a lot of doctor's appointments with your baby and it's like man i probably should have been driving you know what i mean well and i think for me too like this is the terrifying thing about having a baby i mean there's a lot terrifying but like Which one? Wonderful, but a little spooky. Is that basically like, for me especially, I did, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but like I had a traumatic labor and delivery experience. I had an emergency C-section. It turned out okay, but like it was a very scary situation. Had some trauma. Shout out to my therapist, Eric. We EMDR'd it. We're doing so much better now. Because again, a lot of times like trauma with labor and delivery is super common a lot of people walk away from pt with ptsd even if everything goes textbook normal like you can kind of expect there's a decent chance you're going to be traumatized by the experience and that's okay and that's normal like you can go to therapy work through it but you know in my case you go through this intense physical experience in my case a major surgery and then you're in the hospital for a couple days and like you have some help right and that's that's pretty great and if you go to the hospital, like where I went to, they have a nursery and you can be like, please take this baby. Please, please cuddle this baby because he just wants to be held and I'm tired of it. Hold him and you can sleep for a couple hours. And then like, then you go home and they're just like, you're supposed to recover from a major abdominal surgery or a major trauma. No, I can also take care of this tiny human that you've never, you've, you've just met them. Take care of them fully. Uh, you're not going to sleep, but just like figure it out. And it's the most bizarre thing is you're suddenly on your own and you're not sleeping and you're also trying to take care of this new person while you're healing. And if you're breastfeeding, right, you're trying to get your milk supply in. And every single thing they're like, in order to like get a good supply, you have to keep your stress low and get plenty of rest and fluids. And it's just how do you do this? Like, it's so baffling. And then you're just like living at this like sleep deprivation state for so long while also taking care of a person that's like very vulnerable and it's incredibly it's such a bizarre experience um and it's very raw it's super raw it's super emotional i think the first time lauren came over i don't know if i was crying the entire time you were there but like mentally i was like i'm not sure if i was even like mentally i don't know if i was really crying or not but that was that's like you were there when it was like so super fresh super fresh and raw I know. I think I brought over paper plates. I was like, I just don't want you to have to worry about dishes. You did. You brought us food and paper plates, and it was really lovely. And you also brought us, like, plastic silverware. And you're like, please, just yes. take care of yourself. It's great. But, like, you're hallucinating. So, like, you see here or feel things that aren't really there. Depersonalization, which is a huge one where, like, you don't even feel like a real person anymore. Like, you're not existing. Or, like, that life is you're real. You're just, like, moving through, doing things that you don't even know how you're doing. Anxiety. Um, I figured out postpartum that if I'm sleep deprived enough, I get straight up panic attacks. I was not prepared for that. Really was not prepared for that. Took me way too long. I'll admit as a therapist, it took me way too long to figure out that's what's happening. And when it's you, it's like hard to like have a third party perspective of like what's going on where, you know, when you're in it, sometimes like I remember asking Nick, my husband, like, 
was I always this way? Or was I always concerned about these things? Like, how long has it been this way? Just because also your timeline is like really skewed, you know? Right, right. We get like increased irritability, the extreme fatigue. And this can go on for so long. And, you know, the interesting thing is like, so that's that's just stage three. That's like 48 hours. They're saying straight awake. But also, if you're getting woken up so frequently all the time, you're going to hit this and kind of stay there because you're never getting restorative enough sleep. And this is common, again, postpartum. It's common if you have insomnia where, like, you just can't get enough restful sleep to break this. Then if it keeps going, like, 72 hours plus, they're like, you're going to keep... Basically, the stage four and five, like, they say stage five is, like, full psychosis. But anytime after the stage three, it's just that all of this keeps getting worse. Your perception gets significantly off. Your hallucinations get more complex. You're getting illusions, delusions, disordered thinking, depersonalization. Like it just keeps getting worse. Then you end up with a really like tenuous grasp on reality at that point in time. And I think like it is, again, just alarming about the state of things in the United States and how we don't support people who are having kids because I think sending them back to work right away. Like, can you imagine? Like, I feel so privileged in some ways that like you know i wasn't forced to go back you know i i waited four months just like you but at the same time like you know when you're an independent contractor that also meant saving for my maternity leave because there wasn't any like financial support like pros i got to be off for four months but i made no money the entire time um and i mean we were really fortunate that tim had five weeks at full pay yeah that's rare Because I like I physically could not have done it with my recovery and how everything went and with yeah like with all of it going to appointment and all of this like it's just so much and they're like drive to this appointment or they're like you're not allowed to drive after a c-section you're not supposed to drive for a few weeks I absolutely did hopefully my doctors aren't listening to this but (laughs) they're just all together shaking their heads. I drove myself to the appointment where they ended up clearing me to drive. And I was like, well, I drove That's here. good. <laughs> Actually, the, the first time I drove was I was 10 days postpartum and we were at the emergency room with my son in the middle of the night. Like I said, things, things were a little, he's fine now. Everything's okay. That's the important part. But like my husband realized because we left quickly that he didn't have his wallet with him. So he didn't have his driver's license. I had mine. So I drove us home from the ER at like four o'clock in the morning, 10 days postpartum. Uh, so it's so much as unrealistic. You're also if you have a C-section, you're not supposed to lift your child in the car seat. They're like, you can only lift the baby. It's like, well, that's not possible. Like, none of this is possible. Right. Like we don't live in a supportive enough society for us to follow these rules unfortunately right and you get i'm sorry i'm going on a tangent here but you know this is this is this is such a real thing and just like you're so sleep deprived and all this is happening that we're basically taking a lot of people who are hallucinating and my husband was just as sleep deprived as i was i think there's this perception that like this isn't this is impacting spouses are getting sleep it's like no if most people live in like smaller homes right and it's unless you're like on a different floor with like you know noise canceling headphones like they're gonna be woken up too 
they're going to be woken up to. And like he was just as sleep deprived. And, you know, unfortunately, like you get that that advice where they're just like, oh, well, like take shifts. And it's like it does. It doesn't work. That and it's great if you have a house and a setup and you're able to do it. Wonderful. I absolutely recommend it. But everyone's getting such quality, like poor quality sleep. And then it's like you're supposed to drive and you're supposed to like also do all this and like keep your house clean and do everything. But every single parent that I've talked to who is comfortable enough with me to be honest, like we're all hallucinating for months and just pretending it's okay. And I even saw a whole thing where they're like, oh, like who's waking up thinking that you're holding on to your baby? And it's like, you're straight up hallucinating. And now that I'm looking back on it, I was hallucinating. I was seeing shadow people too. That's really common for a couple of months. Gary. And then it's like, go back to work and do all of these things, but also like you are hallucinating. And just pretend you're not. Just pretend you're not hallucinating. You're like, you are. I had weird, like, um, like kind of like paranoid delusions, I would say. Like just really like convincing myself, especially like being outside of the house, like felt like very unsafe to me, mm-hmm. like at the time. And I think it all was related to that lack of sleep. Right. right. I think like other ones I've heard from people are really common is like thinking that your spouse absolutely hates you. Yeah, I've heard that. It's like a really common like delusion where you're like you are so convinced that like it's like to a paranoid level, like you get really paranoid that like everyone's against you. That can happen pretty commonly. It's just it's so much. And I think people talk about sleep deprivation like stage one. Where it's just like, oh, you're really tired and you're out of it, but you'll be okay. But it is alarming, like, how many people are, like, fully at that. Like, they have a fairly tenuous grasp on reality and are just expected to be working. I was reading in the United States, like, 50% of moms go back to work within two weeks of having a baby. And that's that's horrifying. horrifying. It's so bad. You're so not okay at that point in time. And if if you have support, and we we had a lot of support too, and it was still this hard. Like people were helping us all the time, and it was still this hard. And it it's just we don't do enough. And I think we need to talk more about what this what level of sleep deprivation new parents are actually at, and just people with insomnia because it's so much worse than I think a lot of people let on. Agreed. And I I'd, I'd really love. I don't know if anyone would want to hear this. Because I don't know how much of, like, our population of listeners is actually, like, parents. So if you guys, like, aren't interested in this and, you know, everyone's, like, child-free or, like, hey, actually don't do that, then that's fine. Just let us know. But um, I would love to do a deep dive on postpartum psychosis. I feel like it's not talked about nearly enough. And I think as a society, we need to kind of, like, unspookify that and kind of normalize some of these experiences so people don't feel so stigmatized that they isolate themselves and it gets worse and worse right absolutely and i would love to do that i think like it would be kind of fun and i don't know again let us know if you're interested in this or if you don't actually care but i think there's like postpartum mental health and psychosis would be a great one but i think also doing the deep dive on some of the changes in your brain throughout like pregnancy labor and delivery like the whole thing from a psychological perspective, because there's plenty of spooky stuff in there. Yes. Just a, lot, a lot of trippy things happening, quite frankly. So I would love to do a couple episodes, probably not all back to back, but at some point do a few on that. 
because we all sleep deprived and we're, we're doing our best, but it's it's kind of horrifying. But now I guess to move a little bit more into fun horrifying, so I've got sleep paralysis. Um, that's, that's the thing, is like the sleep deprivation stuff, that's the actual spooky part. Like, it's fucking terrifying and we should all stop pretending it's not. But sleep paralysis, they're like, no, I think exploding hen syndrome, those are the more like fun, scary things. Um, not if you get it. But sleep paralysis. So when you're falling asleep or waking up, your brain sends out signals that you relax and keeps you still during REM sleep. Uh, so again, this is another issue where you're waking up and your brain is booting back up, but something goes wrong during that process and you regain awareness. So like you're mentally awake, but your entire body is still asleep. So you're fully paralyzed and you're often still hallucinating. So it's unclear if it's like a continuation of your dream or like a regular hallucination. So you're aware of your surroundings. You can't move or speak. You can move your eyes and you can breathe. Many people are hallucinating. Um, so you have paralysis in your limbs, sense of suffocation. So this is so interesting because I know I did. I've done a lot of research on this over the years. But the reason why you feel like you're suffocating during sleep paralysis is actually because when you're paralyzed and when you're asleep, you breathe differently than when you're I'm awake. So, so it's just a sensation that you've never had. So you're actually breathing totally fine. It's just that you don't breathe like this when you're actually Like you're not awake. cognizant when that's happening. Yeah. And so like you've just never experienced it. So you feel like you're suffocating. You feel that pressure on your chest. Um, fear, panic, helplessness, tightness, tightening around your throat. And daytime sleepiness, which can be a sign of narcolepsy. So I think the thing that's sleep like fun with sleep paralysis. So I, I get sleep paralysis, which I think I've mentioned a few times on this podcast before. Um, not very often. And I have had such a variety of experiences with it. So I think for some people, this is this used to scare me a lot when it first happened, but I already knew what it was before it happened to me. And it it doesn't scare me anymore because I, I'm able to, like, logically think through what's happening during it, which I don't think everyone is. Uh, like, fully orient yourself. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, But some people never get to that point, and it's always that scary. I've had a huge variety. The most recent time I had it was just a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, because I get it, like, fairly frequently. The most recent one... um was I was asleep on my side, fully paralyzed. And I was hallucinating, but the only thing I was hallucinating is I could hear my son screaming. Oh. And I was so convinced that Eddie was, like, awake and super upset and super hungry and just losing it, because sometimes babies wake up screaming. And you're they like, do. Get fairly used to it. You're like, all right. And, I mean, it was so funny because I was so, like, I was extra worried because Tim had to be up super early for work the next day. So I was trying to, like, not wake him up and i was just trying to get eddie super quickly because i wasn't working the next day so i could sleep in if you let me and so i was like so concerned and i'm like trying and so when this happens now i'm just like focusing on breathing and i'm like i will wake up i will wake up and i like just try to move my hand and then it breaks all of a sudden you can move you can get up i find like sit up rush over my son he's fully asleep like he was not screaming. He was so asleep. That was my hallucination that time, which is like peak new parent hallucination. Yeah. It's like the baby needs me. He's like, he's fine. He's asleep. Um, but like other times when I've had this happen, I think the scariest one um, 
that I've, I've had like the classic where you're seeing like demons and monsters and everything. The absolute scariest one that I personally have ever had. I was asleep on my stomach and I could feel a presence in my room. Oh my God. And I could feel breathing on my neck. And I could feel someone pulling my pants down. Oh, my God. That was the absolute scariest one. Um, so that that was the worst one I personally have ever had. Uh, there was no one there, of course. I was, that was just hallucinating. Um, but, like, you can, it's not always that you can see things. Like, sometimes you're really getting these vivid sensations. And so people will have, at times, like, somebody like grabbing you somebody strangling you somebody doing that but it was like feeling and hearing something breathing and then like grabbing my clothes was just very terrifying um so that was my worst one but i you know i thought it would be fun just read some some little stories um did you do a reddit dive I did a Reddit dive. Yeah. Actually, because this was the easiest one to find, I did a reposted BuzzFeed article where the BuzzFeed article did the Reddit dive. So, you know, plagiarism. Woo! Um, come up with your own content. So, just some just some Reddit stories of like different things that can happen. Um, well, the first time it happened to me was when I went for a nap during the day. I was lying on my side, facing away from the door. When I woke up to the sound of my door closing. I tried to turn around to see who had come into my room, but I couldn't move. My eyes were wide with terror. I could see everything in my room. I heard this thing walk around my room. Then it sat on my bed, and I could feel the bed dip from its weight. It then shuffled towards me, and it felt like it began to spoon me. It was extremely calm. I was trying to move so hard, but I was just lying still. The thing started breathing on my neck and tickling my back. It then stood up and left after a few minutes. That was the most terrifying thing that have ever happened to me. So it is pretty common to have the like feeling like something's touching you, feeling like there's someone in there where you can't see them. That one, I think it, I've definitely seen people who it's happened to. I've heard that. I wonder a lot. if that's like something related to like that chemical, like going back into like your muscles where it like it feels like another person, but really it's like the yeah. process of that i don't know it's so fascinating it really is and like the other thing that i'm curious too is like how the um like media you're consuming is impacting um or what type of hallucinations you have because it can impact dreams i know like when i had the one where i was being touched and like my clothes are being ripped I was definitely, like, deep into, like, a rape and murder documentary, like, a oh, lot of true no. crime stuff that was pretty brutal, and I think that's why my brain went that way. Like, I had already started having, like, nightmares about that kind of stuff before the Paralysis episode, and then it was like, okay, like, that's why my wine went there. So sometimes I think to, like, personal trauma, media you're consuming, stories that you've heard can also impact, like, what hallucinations you're going to go to. Because as much as I've had, like, really scary bouts of sleep paralysis, I've also had ones where, like, they were really innocuous hallucinations, like someone calling my name or, like, my dog jumping onto the bed and licking my feet. And then, like, I look and she's not even in the room when the paralysis lifts. So, like, it's it's just I think there's such a huge range of what it could be. Um, but, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, so this is. Just another one, another kind of spooky one. 
This person says, I was living at home with my mom. I was so unwell, so I was in bed all day. My mom was home with me. I must have fallen asleep as I never heard her open my bedroom door or walk across the room, but I felt her weight sit on the bed beside me. I heard her pick up my cup of water as if checking if it needed refilling. Then felt her brush the hair from my face. Then all of a sudden, I was being choked. I felt hands around my neck. I couldn't open my eyes as if they were glued shut, and I tried to raise my arms to break free, which is if they'd been nailed to the mattress. I struggled to breathe and felt myself get lightheaded. Then all of a sudden, it went. I can open my eyes, and I can move again. My mom was nowhere to be seen. She was upstairs at the neighbor's house. So, mm-hmm. again, like, there's a lot of, like, choking sensations. Yeah, like, a lot breathing, of breathing, difficult. I could I could see that, like, you know, if your brain is trying to, like, make sense of, like, all of these sensory experiences at once, it could feel like, you know, what's what's it called? Like, a heuristic where it's, like, a cognitive shortcut where it's, like, okay, what is this most likely to be? And it's, like, oh, a person in here choking me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's kind of, yeah, I just, I find it so interesting. Um Cause, and it's not always scary. I think obviously people focus more on like the really scary ones, but like sometimes you're not hallucinating. You're just like can't move. And like I said, I'm fairly used to it enough that like I can just wake up and I'm like try to move. And I'm like, all right. The other interesting thing too is like it feels like it can go on for a long time. It's usually like a couple seconds to a minute. Like your brain wakes up super fast, but it feels so intense. So that's just a bit on sleep process. I can't remember some of the other episodes that i have i know someone that i dated in high school had this pretty frequently and he'd have really really like intense hallucinations like he had one where like there were um like demons clawing their way in through his window and then there were thousands of them in his room just staring at him so i think there's a there's a huge variety in what people do hallucinate when this does happen um so yeah, I mean it's it's so interesting. But my most recent one was it wasn't spooky. It was just like, oh no, the baby's up again, and I was like, oh, you're actually not. Thank you. I'll go back to bed now. Yeah. And then I just kind of last thing for this, just for knowledge, I wanted to just touch on what some different parasomnias are because there's some we didn't talk about. There's sleepwalking. Obviously, more than half of adult sleepwalkers have exhibited violent behaviors while sleepwalking. 17% have ended up with enough injury to need medical attention. I am also, I have sleptwalked before. Um, not since I was, I don't do it regularly, but I have. There's the sleep-related eating disorder. A lot of people actually eat in their sleep. That's not super uncommon. I, I have a thing where, and this is weirdly during times of stress, where I'll uh, talk in my sleep. Or in my dream, I'm, like, punching something or someone, and it breaks through, like, that sleep barrier, and I'll, like, hit, like, my bedpost. Mm -hmm. But I also, weirdly, other times, I'll laugh in my sleep. And actually, my son does it, too, which is interesting that, like, we both, like, have that, like, weird quirk. But Yeah. I used to, when I was younger, I would sing in my sleep a lot. So I would talk, I would sing, I once broke my wrist in my sleep that oh my God. rolled over and crammed it into the wall hard enough that I got a stress fracture, which hence why I cannot safely bed share with my son. Not not going to do it. I'm a, I'm a little too dangerous, quite frankly. Um, 
But yeah, like people will eat in their sleep, they'll sleepwalk. Now there's a disorder that's often disguised as sleepwalking called REM behavior sleep disorder. And that involves actually acting out your dreams. So it happens during REM sleep, second half of the night. Um, sleepwalking is usually in deep sleep, which is the first half of the night. But sleepwalkers typically have calm and neutral behaviors. So again, like, some where they're saying more than half have exhibited violent behaviors. Some of those might be REM behavior sleep disorder, or I think just like it depends on what you're qualifying as violent behaviors. Could be like punching or something. Um, but most of the time, sleepwalking it's pretty neutral. Like you're just walking around. Um, but in REM behavior sleep disorder, they're dreaming and acting out whatever is happening, like fighting or running. Um, and it's because their brain usually it doesn't actually get paralyzed if you want to learn more about this there is a comedian mike berbiglia oh yeah he does he does he has rem behavior sleep disorder he's done a movie on it called sleepwalk with me he has a like he's got a memoir that he talks about he does tons in his stand-up specials i think like definitely check out mike berbiglia if you want to learn more about this because it's really really interesting and i think like if i'm remembering correctly from some of his stuff like he he does have a child and he ended up like he has to sleep in a sleeping bag i was just gonna ask i'm pretty sure he's the one in a sleeping bag right yeah like zipped all the way into a sleeping which is so smart I i think they do some other things too because he's just like i'm not safe but he one of his big ones is he ended up like jumping out of a hotel room window yes. several stories up because he was dreaming that a missile was chasing him and he had to run. So again, like this can be very, very dangerous. So you, that one is, that's a big one. Um, but I would check him out. And then there's also nightmares and sleep terrors. So nightmares are dreams that have disturbing sometimes scary enough wake up in a panic or might even affect the mood the next day they happen in the second half of the night typically and then sleep terrors happen during deep sleep there are no dreams whatsoever you're not really awake but they're disoriented terrifying and can't talk about what's happening they don't even remember um so i know my cousin her daughter has sleep terrors um and she's i just saw her yesterday i'm trying to remember how old she is now i think she's like or five she's a bit younger she's had them since she was a young toddler and so you know my cousin was saying like she didn't like quite sleep through the night regularly until she was three but with the sleep terrors her daughter just wakes up absolutely screaming hysterically and they have to go in and soothe her and calm her down but she she has no idea that she has i even asked her i'm like oh do you still get sleep terrors she's like i don't know like she has no recollection that this is a thing that even happens but I think they're a bit more common in children, but they'll just, like, wake up absolutely screaming and you have to, like, you soothe them and it makes it worse and you just kind of have to let them ride it. Like, you think they're awake, but they're screaming, they're fighting, they're doing all of this stuff. They're still, they don't actually remember it and you really can't comfort them. You just, like, kind of have to ride it out a little bit because they're, like, they're not awake. Um, so those are some of the other ones that obviously we did not do a deep dive into. Maybe we'll do a part two sleep yeah. disorder and go into some of the other ones. But I just wanted to touch on what some of the other parasomnias are. I think parasomnias are incredibly interesting. I think so. Yeah. And as always, if you guys stumble upon like an article or a piece of research related to this stuff that you're like, hey, I want you guys to read about this study. 
please send it over. We're very interested. People like studies. We do. We do. We very much like to learn things. Um, so Lauren, anything else for this episode? I don't think so. Um, I just again really appreciate you guys tuning in and just continuing to support us and be interested in our podcast and we're gonna work on the quality and i'm excited to get back into it um should we wrap yeah. up with some good shit we should why don't you start us off with some good shit going on um good shit okay let me think good shit good shit okay so i have a friend her name is annie hex i interviewed her for a a podcast that's like adjacent to my business it's called anchored and basically in that podcast we talk to people who um took the plunge into entrepreneurship and working for themselves and a lot of the people that we talk to are creatives um just because i think it's interesting when people work for themselves as creatives and she is a tarot reader and poet and just like all of these super cool fun things she's in batavia and every year she puts something together called Queer Prom. And that's where, you know, you can buy tickets. It's at like a venue and adults can go and Ooh. dress up for prom and just have, you know, queer joy together. Because I think a lot of folks, you know, didn't really get to enjoy their prom maybe in the way they wanted to. So um, I will be attending. And I just... Shout out to Annie. She's she's a dreamboat. She does a lot of cool stuff. That is so wonderful. I hope you have the most fun at Queer Prom. Please send me pictures of your oh, prom I will. outfit. Um, are you and Nick going to post for cringy prom pictures? So here's the thing. Because Benny's so little and because um, like the people that normally like would babysit him are also coming. <laughs> um uh nick's gonna stay home so i'm gonna go stag to queer prom but i am going to fully enjoy myself nice nice i wasn't sure if you were gonna do like cringy pictures i would have i absolutely would have yeah it's amazing i hope you have so much fun thank you what's some good shit for you Uh, so um good shit so we just got back from a road trip just yesterday and my good shit is the best shit, in my opinion, is that my sweet little potato, Eddie, got to meet his great-grandmother this weekend. Um, grandma is 90 years old. She is crushing it. She's amazing. And I'm just so happy that they got to meet. You know, not to be morbid, but when you have grandparents in their 90s, you're always like a little bit worried. Um, and so it was the trip meant a lot to me. We got to go and see a lot of my dad's family and just introduce Eddie to his great-grandmother. And it was so sweet and cute and wonderful. And I got to see some people I haven't seen in a few years. So that that was really, that that's my good shit right now. It was getting to see them meet each other. Ugh, I'm obsessed. I love it so much. Yeah. yeah. But that is all we got. So thank you uh, again. We're sorry about everything thank you and we, sorry <laughs> thank you and sorry we cannot stress enough how much when we started this podcast several years ago we had no idea what we're doing and we're learning more all the time so hopefully we can keep getting you a better experience over time 
Absolutely. Circle. We also did not exper- or, uh, anticipate this level of support and listeners. <laughs> so I think we just weren't ready for it. But now we're a little bit more ready. I think we both thought. I think we both just thought we were going to like release a couple episodes, have some fun, and then it would die fairly quickly. And it didn't. So thank you. This is great. We still like it. But uh, we were not adequately prepared. But we're working on it. Thank you. And happy Halloween season. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye.